Star Worldwide Networks, it's time for Don Cromwell Live, an insightful, entertaining look into all aspects of the music industry. You'll never hear music the same way again. Now here's your host, producer, songwriter, musician, and former Air Supply and Eddie Money bassist, Don Cromwell. All right. Female power, that is what we're going down tonight. <laughs> yeah. Welcome, everybody, to Don Cromwell Live. So happy to have you here. We've taken a little break for a while just to kick back, let things settle down. Uh, had another birthday trip around the sun yesterday for myself, celebrated with D4 Danny Forces in the house with us uh, hey, tonight. Everybody. And uh, just had a really wonderful time. Thanksgiving, hope you all did as well with family, friends. That's what it's all about. But I feel great. Those years go flying by these days, but uh, you just got to take the time and enjoy life each and every day. My special guest, without further ado, can't wait to get into it with this lady, beautiful, talented, and a lot going on right now. Welcome, Miss Janet Robin. Hello, everybody. Uh, thanks for having me. It's so great. And thanks to your publicist, Ann Layton, who's just awesome with her follow through. She mentioned you, and of course, once I dug into what you're doing and saw that you had played with Air Supply yourself, it had to happen. We have a connection. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> and with them, the love band, it's a love connection. Uh, we were saying that too bad Russell wasn't in town. I know the guys are off, they're probably there by now. They were going overseas, the Far East, I believe, again. Mm -hmm. They still play there a lot. You know, that South America, Southeast Asia. You know, Philippines, they're still hugely popular there, as well as here. But back there, they play some big venues. Oh, for sure. I mean, we played in Mexico, and it was like, I don't it was a huge festival with like 100,000 people there. Yeah. <laughs> and they're all singing the songs. Oh, yeah. They all, they're all like all ages, and they all know their songs. They, they do know all the songs. <laughs> I took you to go see them down in Anaheim, and that was your first time seeing them, right? Yeah, the Grove. At yeah, the Grove. At, at the yeah. Grove, and, and you get an experience. Well, you know, they've got a faithful following. They really do. And they've got all those great songs that people have grown up with, and now you see the younger generation singing them. Uh, it, it, it's something I tell Russell all the time. I talk to him all the time. Uh, Graham, was not as, quite as much, but... Uh, you know, 50 years they've been doing it. It's, it's incredible. And they keep, they. I mean, they're on the road like 300 dates yeah, out yeah. of the year. It's crazy. Oh, yeah. That, that's the life they know, and yeah. they love it. But uh, back to you, Janet. Uh, I know you've done some great things. You were taught by Randy Rhodes. But just tell my audience, your audience, a little bit about your background, how you got started, ended up playing guitar, just anything that you might take well, us to this point. I, I did grow up in uh, Los Angeles and actually to be uh, specific in North Hollywood, California. And I say that because Randy uh, taught, Randy Rhodes taught out of his mom's music school called Musonia, which happened to be right around the corner from our house growing up. And really what happened was when I was a young kid, I have two older brothers and I, you know, they were playing sports, they were whatever, you know, to, karate and so I was trying all of that and none of it was working out <laughs> it was all you know like I was getting punched in karate and like I wasn't good with the bat and I don't know it was a disaster and you know no tap dancing it was so my brother one of my brothers Steve um 
he picked up the guitar and he's like, I'm going to play guitar. And he was really into music, you know, and my mom was also like, oh, maybe I should try, you know. And then I was like, well, there's there's two of them. So I'm going to try it, too. And uh, it was like a weird feeling, I think, even when I picked it up at six, I wow. felt um, like sort of complete, you know, like I, I liked it so much. I just, I really loved it. I felt a connection with it. And, uh, I think also because it was a, it wasn't a team, <laughs> nothing against teams or dance groups, but you, you know, I, I could only embarrass myself, you know, yeah, <laughs> right. Um, and I liked the whole challenge of practicing myself and all of that. So yeah, we I started on uh, acoustic, and then uh, my brother wanted to take electric guitar lessons, and my mom somehow I don't know how we found out about Rand, Randy, but of course when he was teaching, uh, he wasn't the Randy Rhodes that everybody knows now. He was the Randy Rhodes in a local Los Angeles band called Quiet Riot. Oh yeah, right. But you you know they weren't big yet. They got big after he passed away. So. Um, he was, you know, teaching and we started taking electric guitar lessons from him and he was amazing. You know, it was just like, oh, oh my God, you know, what is, who is this person? Because you would go to the lessons and he was so, so unique and so different than other guitar players that we were listening to. I was bringing my neighbors, you know, to the lessons, which by the way, were like, eight dollars for 30 minutes <laughs> oh those days <laughs> you know and then he got the gig with ozzy i studied with him from um well six i started on acoustic with other teachers then around nine nine or ten i started with him and uh till i was about 15 mm -hmm. 14 15 15 and then he got the gig with with uh ozzy mm. and then of course we know what happened after that yeah yeah and i i wasn't really familiar but he's so revered yeah. and, and by everybody not just rock people but and so when you would go to his lessons what what was his style he would teach you music theory or he, he so was... yeah it's it's very interesting because i i'm teaching too as well and and I could try to adopt his style a bit i have my own thing too but uh you know he was we didn't do theory. We, you know, made sure I knew all the bar chords and basically it was a lot of scales, mm -hmm. a lot of the different scale modes and then different riffs he would show me. And it would be like, okay, here's this rhythm guitar pattern I'm going to play. And then I want you to play that while you watch me do my thing, which was always like all I wanted to do. Well, I, I, was <laughs> you know, I was just like, okay, go. And then he would say, okay, now I'm going to play the rhythm guitar part and i want you to do your own thing you can use some of the riffs or you know that i sort of showed you but it was always like don't try to copy me um you know utilize the techniques and some of these things that i'm showing you but but what can you do what can you you put your own thing into improving you know um so that was most of the lessons i barely even learned songs mm -hmm. like i i think the only the one first song i ever learned was like you know uh johnny be good mm -hmm. you know contrary to what people think about randy rhodes um of course he was studying classical guitar he was a very uh, accomplished classical nylon guitarist in fact he was going to quit what i heard was he was going to leave ozzy's band and, mm. and go and get his masters at mm. ucla in classical guitar wow you know and then uh he was a just beat us in with the blues. He was like, if you don't know blues stuff, you're not a guitar player. 
So people don't know that about him. I think they just think of him as this metal yeah. god, you know. And, and and look, I mean, he he kind of did develop that neoclassical metal sound. He was the first one, you know. Um, but he he had a lot of styles he liked. So you know, um, yeah. So that was my time with Randy. Did you stay in touch with him after he hooked no, up with Ozzy? He, uh, well, you know, my parents would take me to his shows. Uh, I was telling you about the Starwood, you know, yeah, when yeah. I was like 12, you know, and I couldn't get in, so they had to chaperone me. But um, I would see him at, at, at these clubs like the Palomino and sure. this, right, the Starwood. And I was just like, you know, just yeah. in awe. You guys can't see me, but I had my mouth open. <laughs> I was like, uh, you know. Um, and then when he got the gig with, with Ozzy, he was sort of a bit more untouchable. I did keep taking from Musonia, uh, and it was one of his students uh, that took over. And I kept taking lessons. And they did come to play um, L.A., I think it was at the sports arena. And uh, I don't know what happened. My mom wouldn't let me go from, you know, I know too much pot smoking. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know. My brother was doing all that. So yeah. I didn't get to ever see him oh. with, with Ozzy, but I did see him one more time because between the two tours, big tours that he did, he came home and taught us all one more time. Hmm. And that was the last time I saw him. Wow. Yeah. Just a tragic, for those who don't know, he was killed in a plane crash. Uh, uh, 24. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was again. I the, I don't yeah. really know that genre that well. Yeah. Of course, I know Ozzy. Yeah. Uh, of Ozzy. And, yeah, yeah. But uh, it, just as I say, revered by any and all guitar players of all styles. So then, I, then uh, how did you progress from that? Well, what happened? You next? know. So I do quickly want to say one thing about Randy because um, I think he he uh, he's the main reason I'm still playing because uh, here I was this little tomboy girl trying to figure out how can I be cool too? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like my brothers. Sure. And you know, he could care he could give a shit that I was a girl. Mm-hmm. You know, or how, how young I was. And he uh he gave me that self esteem oh, cool. that you so need when you're when you're that age and you're trying to find out, you know, how to be cool. <laughs> and when you're a female too. That in, mostly in a, in a that, male world. Right. And sure, I mean i I did have a female guitar teacher for the acoustic stuff but to have in in fact to have a male guitar teacher um that really wasn't looking at me at, in any way except be the best guitarist or musician you can be it it helped me a lot and it shaped me it absolutely 100% shaped me uh into the person I am now so thank you Randy but yes so awesome. my life goes on after he passed away and uh, I was in 10th grade, I think, when that happened. And in 12th grade, as a senior, I just I started answering ads in, like, uh, there was a paper called The Recycler. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thursday morning, baby. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> Remember The Recycler? Oh, yes. And so I started answering some ads, like people looking for, you know, guitar players. And, and I was going to all these random places. My, you know, my mom was like, who is this person you're going to? Right. I mean, I took some chances, like yeah. of course, you know. But I had a car, and I was like, and I was ready to rock, you know. Have car, will travel, right? Like you know. So <laughs> I finally came across this one ad, and it was uh, an all-girl band, you know, that was looking for a female lead guitarist, and I was like, oh, well, that that's kind of cool. I only, you know, heard of like. 
like the Go-Go's, and I don't even know if the Bangles had been out yet, but, um, and the Runaways. Oh, yeah, the Runaways. Of course, I knew, you know, the Runaways, but I was like, oh, this sounds kind of cool. So, yeah, I went to the audition 16 years old, you know, and and they already had a producer in place. They had a lot of things in place that was much more on the pro level than, you know, me showing up at, in people's random garages, you know, play trying to start a band. Of course. So that's where my head was. And I, you know, got, got the gig and we were called Precious Metal. Mm-hmm. Ooh. And, uh, that's the, catchy. It's catchy. You know, <laughs> f- we were a little bit more hard, rock or pop, ro- pop, like hard rock than actual metal. But, you know, the name was kind of cool for an all girl band. And actually our first show was at my high school, uh, Lunchtime Quad. Oh, man. Ooh. Because I was the student body president, so I could book us. A woman of many talents. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, and uh, it's so funny, yeah, to, to think about that. Uh, we played there twice, and then we started playing clubs um, around town, if you remember, Don, FM Station. Oh, of course, <laughs> yeah. All the clubs you're mentioning are classics. So I grew up in North Hollywood. I was going to say, that's yeah, right, right, right down home. the street, which my mother was very happy about. Yeah. Uh, but I wasn't allowed in the club. Hmm. You know, only for sound check. Then I had to sit in my car until the show. And then I, <laughs> after we played the show, I had to leave, you know, or hang out back, you know, out, outside because it was 21 and over and I was, you know, 17. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So, so, you know, and then uh, we eventually got signed to um, Polygram mm-hmm. and uh, because, um, Rodney Bingenheimer played um, one of our songs on his show. And if you know who he is, he actually kind of got the runaway started, you know, and he's a famous DJ from back in the 70s and 80s. You bet. And uh, so we got a record deal. And, you know, I, I at that point I was going to college and uh, UCLA and yeah, I dropped out. Um, and yeah, so I was in that band. There was a lot of things that happened in that band. I don't know how long this podcast is, but there was a lot of things that happened. Um, and, uh, you know, that also shaped me as well as far as what it is like in the music business, um, what it is like to deal with agencies and, and you know, management and labels. And uh, I was in the band about six, seven years. And our, our last record was one of our better ones, I thought. Um, but it kind of, you know, it was came around the time of grunge music. And uh, there's a whole story about doing a video with Donald Trump. Oh, uh, that come we, on, we got time. Uh, we got time. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, you know, this was, we had finished the deal with Polygram and got picking up, picked picked up, excuse me, by Chameleon, which is a subsidiary of Capitol Records. And the president of that label was uh, friends with Donald Trump. You know, and we were, you know, they were going to really just sink this money in and really just make it go for this, for our band. This was our time, you know, this is like 1989. And so we did a cover of Mr. Big Stuff which was like an old Motown song, and we rocked it up. And he, the president had this idea of like, oh, wouldn't it be cool to get Donald in the video and play, you know, Mr. Big Stuff? He'd be Mr. Big Stuff. Right, right. And so he had agreed to it for a nominal fee. Um, I don't know what it was. It was like 10 grand or something like that. Sorry, I hit your microphone. No, you, you um, can't hurt anything in here. And of course, he was like, oh, I don't need that money. I'll donate it to, you know, charity. And so we flew out to New York and we met him at the Hyatt and we filmed 
everything there and filmed some stuff on the street. And it was this whole thing, you know, and there was like cameras and everybody around and everything. And so then we got ready to uh, release it. And there was a whole setup with like Headbangers Ball. Do you remember that? Sure. On yeah. MTV and all, you know, there was going to be an article in like Billboard and all this stuff. And then he basically he pulled out of the video asking for like, $250,000 because apparently there was some things going on in the background we didn't know about some business dealings that had gone gone bad between his his corporation and the the president um you know which were the Pritzkers uh, uh, from Chicago and uh it so they're like we're not paying that money and I don't I don't blame them but of course. we got caught in the middle and so we had to reshoot it with a double and release it, and it just didn't have the yeah. impact. And then the grunge music came, and we got dropped. Yeah, another rock so. and roll tragedy. Yeah, you know? yeah music and business <laughs> sometimes. Is, mm. Right, right. It's just full of them, isn't it? It is. I mean, it's so full of it. Yeah, I know. You, nobody gets through unscathed, that's for sure. No. Wow, well, um, that's a heck of a story. Did you meet the Trumpster? So I did, and, uh, well, maybe after the podcast, I'll show you some photos. But, okay. yes, uh, <laughs> there were there was, you know... Some some photos of us, you know, where he did the kind of under underneath boob thing, you know, where oh. he's like, he's got his hand just right uh, underneath the strategic, strategic placement. placement. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ooh, and then so like he whispered in my ear uh -oh. and he's like, oh, no cellulite there. You got a hard body. Oh, are you kidding? Oh. Okay. And I mean, you know, I mean, he didn't he didn't like molest me or anything, but I was like 21 or tw 20. Yeah. or something like that and it was weird yeah yeah, I, yeah. Uh, it was uncomfortable we, weird is a word yeah uncomfortable. I, I, we should probably cut our losses on this one right? <laughs> yeah I, I know before yeah we, we yeah. don't want to get too deep no I, I i don't yeah no but uh, after but that, the show. that's a true story and oh, wow. I, I will show you the photos wow. and um so yeah that's the story of precious metal um of course several records in between yeah. uh, and again um you know, I followed this trajectory from, you know, the beginning of taking lessons all the way to where I am now. And I can totally follow every single decision and everything that happened leading up to where I am now. And I have, frankly, I can say I don't have regrets. Yeah. You know, were, were there hard times? Fuck yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. 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 Fuck yeah. You know, but yeah, you have to go through those things, I, I think. And, uh, you know, yeah, losing the record deal, I was like, oh, my rock star dreams, you know, yeah, you know. Right. So I started, you know, working at recording studios, trying to get session work and, you know, cleaning toilets, you know, and picking up food and, you know. Anything you could. Anything, yeah. And, and, you know, the singer from Precious Metal and I started a little band and, you know, music had changed, like, uh so we were doing more pop stuff. And then all of a sudden, I get a call to audition for Lindsey Buckingham. He is Whoa. putting together a his first only, you know, the first time he's ever put together a band to tour uh, for his solo stuff, right? So Stevie had already had a lot of tours and had her band. And he had already several solo albums out, but he'd never toured. So he was putting together this this special band and special meaning it was five guitar players, two percussion players, drums, bass, and keyboard. Yeah. Very yeah. rich. Yeah. 
Was our boy <laughs> Brett Tuggle in on that? Brett came later, and it was mainly uh, started out in Fleetwood Mac, and then he grabbed him to, for his solo. Oh, I see. But, God but, rest his beautiful but, soul. But yes, but Brett Tuggle, um, it's you know crisscrossing, right? Yeah. Brett Tuggle actually did a session uh, for Precious Metal. Oh my gosh! <laughs> so you know that was mine and Brett's connection, and and yeah, it was. It was really sad when he passed away because um, I went way back with him. Yeah. Way back to the 80s. Yeah. So what was it like playing with Lindsay? Well, that's another podcast as yeah. well. Okay. Um, <laughs> All right. You'll be back. I hear you. <laughs> yeah, no, I'll, I'll try. I've met him briefly a few times, but uh, certainly don't want to say that I know him well. Well, you know, I, I, I liken Precious Metal to being like going to undergrad school and then, then Lindsay to, to grad school. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, go, yeah. trying to get your PhD. I mean, I, I went from this metal, you know, like, party, you, know, you know, it was professional, but this was way more pro. You sure. Know? And, and I mean, the, the audition was like a six hour audition because yeah. he basically, you know, he could see I could play and sing and, and but he, he wanted to hang out with you to see if. You know, because most of the time you're hanging out with people on the road, isn't that true? In. Yeah, yeah. You play maybe ninety minutes, and the rest of the time you're you're in the bus, you're whatever, Can't right? Be a bad vibe, right? So he was like, you know, we're just sitting there, and I'm like thinking, this is the weirdest fucking audition I've ever <laughs> wow. been in. Like, and I was having a birthday party that night. I'm like, I gotta go. Mm -hmm. He's like, oh, okay, okay, and then I left, not having a clue of whether I got that gig or not, wow. you know? He, he just showed me some parts. I played them. I did the little harmonies, and then we were talking. I don't even know about what, and then I was just sitting there, and he was talking to other people, and it was the weirdest thing wow. ever. <laughs> and then I got a call a couple weeks later, you know, okay, Lindsay loves you. You're in the band. We're going to do Jay Leno in, in two weeks. Oh, oh wow. Yeah. Stratosphere. It was, but uh, to make a long story short, um, there were tough times in that band uh, because Lindsay is a perfectionist yeah. as he should be. I was going to say that uh, he is uh, intense um, as he should be. He's a genius, and uh, I think you know when I got the gig, I wasn't. It wasn't that I wasn't grateful. I just wasn't as conscious, you know, about some things, and so he was, unbeknownst to the band, recording everybody on ADAT separate tracks at mm. rehearsal mm. we didn't know it and then he would sit and listen to all the rehearsals after we left and so some of us were called in and basically sat down and he said to us you know you're you're screwing up in this part and you know this part is out of time and you're singing off key and here and if you don't fix all of these issues i have to fire you mm. he's <laughs> wow. saying that to you yeah 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 and and maybe one other person, I can't remember. There were a couple of us, but I just remember me because I sh pretty much shit in my pants. Yeah, you know, right. I was like, this was my first pro gig, and I loved his guitar playing so much. Yeah, I just, you know, I always joke with him. He's the reason I'm on anxiety medication. Um, okay, <laughs> because, I could see why. <laughs> you know, because he just, you know, and so I really had to take stock. You know, I, I spent like all my money on, on guitar lessons. I started taking again. I started taking vocal lessons. I started recording the parts and playing to the songs and, do, you know, doing all that intricate woodshedding, yeah. you know, that you're supposed to do. Yeah. But I didn't know that because I was in, you know, rock and roll, precious right. metal, right. you know. <laughs> so, you know, um, he 
he guided me uh, to rise to the occasion. And he told me that I knew you would do that, but I always thank him, you know, thank you for actually putting me through the ringer. Um, you know, because it, again, another person in my life, another mentor that shaped me. Uh, and he said, well, that's what it's, you know, that's what it's about, you mm -hmm. know, and I knew you would rise to the occasion. Yeah. And uh, that was an amazing experience. It turned my life around as a person, as a musician, of course, and how I approach performing and everything. He is a master at it. And the, the second major tour we did was opening for Tina Turner. Oh. So for you know several months, I was watching her every night on the side of the stage, getting another education and how it's done. Right. Because that lady knows how it's done. Yeah. So I was just, I knew I got more conscious and I was a sponge. And I was making sure I was taking all this in because I didn't know if it was going to happen again, you know? Well, good on you for accepting the challenge. I had an opportunity to see a Fleetwood Mac a dress, not the dress rehearsal, but they were in a big sound studio over there. And, in Sony. Well, yeah. I was there. Yeah. 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 Okay. It was right right at uh, the beginning of their reunion tour. I think you probably... I was but, there. But I remember yeah. that Lindsay sat way out front by the soundboard by himself. Of course. And basically controlled everything. Pretty much. And I remember Stevie <laughs> kind of going, you know, there was a lot of tension going on. And of course, so when you say he's a perfectionist, I probably knew that anyway, but yeah, there were some really intense vibes with the Fleetman Mac guy. So I can only imagine with some young lady coming in and saying, "I'm I'm your new guitar player, aren't I?" <laughs> uh, but good on you for rising to the challenge. That says a lot for you. Well, well, thank you, and and uh, just grateful again for that experience. And I, I have been recently in contact with him, and you know, it's been been great. You know, just oh, cool, kind of. Being on the other end, more on a friend's basis, uh -huh. you know, or for friendly, you know, not employer, employee, you know. Exactly. And, uh, yeah, uh, he's amazing. We were kind of talking about that before the show. I, were, you know, I, I had some great years with playing Eddie with Money, Ed, right? Eddie, yeah. yeah. And, and I loved him dearly. And a great band. The whole thing was so fun. But he and I became closer and started working together a lot right here. Uh, after I wasn't a member in his band, right of his band, right, and you know he would always talk to me, and then he went on to his kids became part of the band, and and the whole dynamic changed. But yeah, I, it's, it's it's a different dynamic, it, isn't it? It, it is, yeah. and, and I'm thrilled because Lindy seems like a real nice guy. Once the pressure's off, I guess. If well, that's the he, right way he, to see he's it. super cool, and uh, but yeah, he's intense though. You yeah, know, he's always he's always thinking and always, you know. I have so much respect for him, and uh, yeah, so... How's his health these days? He's, he's having a few issues, uh -huh. you know, long COVID. Yeah. He did uh -huh. have a quadruple bypass. Yeah. Really? You yeah. know, so he's struggling with a few things, but he's he's in studio, you know, uh, making, making music. And we had lunch, uh, like, back in May, and he was telling me, yeah, I, I dumped the Pro Tools, I'm going back to, you know tape and oh. i was like okay cool you know that's awesome you know yeah. and he's like also i'm not using you know i hate mp3s i'm i'm burning everything on cds and i'm like you are wow <laughs> you know and he's like yeah you know and it's hard to find them so i have to go to target and <laughs> but you know or best buy and i'm like oh my god can you imagine he's <laughs> lindsey buckingham you know walking around best buy yeah. you know looking can for I have CD some blank cds here <laughs> you know <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> okay, Boomer. <laughs> I I still use them once in a while. They 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 sound great, man. I will say, but CDs we know that it's not a big big deal for most people, especially younger audiences. Mm -hmm. But you can still buy them. You know, all you need to do is Google it, and Amazon will be there the next day. I said that. I I said you know, Lindsay, you can you can just get them on Amazon, and he's like, I don't know how to do that. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> Computers are involved. Yeah. Well, it, yeah. the world has changed, but, but I, I know yeah. CDs. I still, some of the projects I'm doing, I burn a few CDs, but uh, you know, they do and, sound different. Yeah. Well, and you see that I still got cassettes down here that I'm going through just to, you know, ideas of course. everywhere. Like yeah. that, uh, maybe you can finish this. Well, I'm not through one tape yet, you know, and they're all sitting there and the young kids, younger Artists come in and they don't even know what a cassette tape is, <laughs> and uh, you know what the what format still sounds great, dat, dat, D -A, yeah, dat, D -A -T, D -A -T, yeah. For, for those who those don't are know. great. Yeah, they're they're small little cassettes, but it was digital, and man, I listen to some of my stuff and it, it you know, you no mastering or anything, but it's so fat and so clean because I used to go straight. That's how I'd mix onto dat, and that would be dat. Uh, yeah. But you still have a you still have a DAT player. I do. Oh my and, gosh! And I just pray that it doesn't break down. Wow. Uh, I, I don't use it much. Don't get me wrong. Right. But yeah, the whole thing about you know I still have my Fostex E16. Uh, <laughs> I, I got the board the board in the garage has hadn't been used in six years. But I've I've said before I was a late bloomer into Pro Tools and and I had a young singer. We were trying to get a song. To the guy who won American Idol a few years back, kind of a R and B guy, I can't re mm. I mean, remember his name right at the moment. But uh, uh, and a publisher had heard one of the songs that I wrote with my buddy Rick Barron, and he said, "We love that song, but we need it more R and B for this artist." And and he said, "You need to use this singer. He's really good, and he gets covers. You know, mm. people cover the songs that he he sings demos of." Anyway, I brought and I called him and I said, "Hey, James, just let you know, I'm." I'm tape. I'm still on tape, you know, machine. And he said, oh, yeah, yeah. And he comes over and he does a great job. And he finished and he goes, you know, I got to be honest with you. I was real nervous when you told me you were still doing, you know, uh, analog tape. Because, you know, once you're in digital, you can fix anything. Right. And, you know, and so I kind of admired Lindsay for that. There's a young singer that uh, we've been talking about doing a project just straight tape and, it, you know, it just depends. It's just getting music out there now is so different now, obviously. It's very different now. And, yeah. and you know that. Well, and that leads us really to, well, actually, before we do that, I want to acknowledge the fact that in 2017, I believe, you were included in Guitar Player Magazine's top 50 acoustic guitar players. Well, Ooh. yeah, they had this. So they had this top 50 list, and then next to it, they had a smaller top 10 of guitar players uh, acoustic guitar players known for songwriting and that's the list i was in oh. along with Lindsay. oh really that was Whoa. Like, wow that's quite a so i was like all right i'll take that yeah right and jimmy page and some other Ooh. yeah like we're, we're yeah awesome. i'm not worthy i'm well, not worthy you know jimmy jimmy's <laughs> not known as an acoustic guitar player is he i of course know him yeah, that yeah, way yeah. but you know most of most people think of him as electric yeah so but it, it is true and and in fact i got that sort of idea of you know using the guitar for for songwriting and making sure it's a standout in a song from randy mm. because you know all the songs he wrote were like da 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 da, da. you know it had a lit it had a, a a very um 
uh, you know, likable uh, sort of lick that you could re- recognize. That's the word I'm looking for. You know, recognizable get a uh, lick. You know, like, yeah. like a Hendrix, or you know, automatically when that song yeah. comes on, oh, it's that. Uh, yeah. You know, so. But yeah, that was lists or lists, you know. Well, <laughs> still, you should be yeah. proud of that one. I mean, uh, yes, you I should. Uh, uh, you know, it's funny that you say that. Uh, I worked with a guy out of uh, London a while back. We were doing stuff for Eddie, and uh, he had just worked with Andrew Ridgely from Wham. Uh, yeah. And, and Gary Brumham. If uh, Gary, if you're listening back there in the UK, uh, but he always believed his belief, like a lot of people, just think Keith Richards. Any good song started with a good guitar riff, you know, yeah. rock song. It's or, you know. it's rock and roll. Yeah. I mean, where 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 did rock and roll come from? You yeah. know, the blues. Yeah. And what do we associate mostly with blues? Mm-hmm. For me, it's guitar. Guitar. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good point. All right. Well, that leads us really, in, and we can go back and forth to yeah, any there's, timeline. There, there's a lot. Go on. Uh, go on Wikipedia. You gotta come back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Go on Wikipedia. That's my, right. My sordid career. And, and you do have a website, which is very nice, by the way, oh, Janet Rock. Robin.com. Thank you. But right now you have, you know, speaking of the roller coaster ride of the music business, and we've all ridden it, you are right in the middle of some real exciting times right now. Uh, yes. As part of a band uh, that is called the String Revolution. And you guys have just been nominated for a Grammy for your cover of the great Johnny Cash song. Folsom Prison Blues. You're now a Grammy nominee. You're going to the Grammys. You yep. might win a Grammy. We might. Let's talk about it. Well, and then we'll play it. Yeah, you know, just uh, I wanted to start a, a different project. Other than after all these uh, gigs uh, with other other artists, I started doing the solo acoustic sort of touring around singer songwriter thing. I toured all over Europe, and I loved doing all that. But I wanted something different as well that focused even more on guitar. Um, and so I started this project, you know, of all guitar, all instrumental guitar. And I, you know, really wanted to focus on doing, even though we're instrumental, I wanted to make sure there was the elements of bass, percussion, melody, almost like a band, but without, but all guitar, you know. And so, yeah, I found these guys on, well, actually, they answered my Craigslist all right. We went from the recycler to yes. Craigslist. So, you know, I retreated back, right? And I was Love like, it. what What happened to me when I was younger? Okay, I'm going to go now to Craigslist. Yep. Because Perfect. I, of course, knew a lot of great players out there, but I really wanted to meet people I didn't know at all. Never met them, never seen them or anything. And so, yeah, started the band nearly eight years now. We had a few <clears throat> member changes. Um, and we have lots of original material on... But we started doing this thing where we were doing like covers uh, and rearranging them. And I mean, really rearranging them. Oh, yeah, I know that. Uh, Not just trying to be a tribute band, nothing against that, but try, you know, just really changing it up. And uh, because last year we did Crazy Train, you know, it was it was kind of a, you know, tribute to Randy because Randy uh, had been uh, just uh, um, not not nominated. (laughs) Sorry. He had just been um, inducted. Inducted. Thank you. Into the Hall of Fame. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. As he should be. Right. And I actually went to the ceremony and uh, his family was there and everything. And I I thought, oh, you know, String Revolution has to do something, you know, just just because, you know. So we did uh, we did Crazy Train, which is really a unique version. I, th- I think it's unique. Uh, and I thought, you know, we should have somebody cool, cooler than us. 
<laughs> is that possible? It's, all, it's always about trying to be cool, Danny. You know, uh, yeah. It? Well, I don't know. Yeah, it's so, like Everest. You're just you're trying to get there. Right. And you're almost there. So you know, we. Well, I was like, the solo is such such an iconic solo in that song, and I was like, we need somebody like badass. And so I thought of, uh, you know, Steve Stevens, and. Because I had seen him play with Ozzy at this private event, and he nailed it, nailed it. And then I also knew he had a flamenco background. Wow. Like serious flamenco guitar. Um, so I literally DM'd him on, Go girl. on Instagram. Yeah. And uh, I, I played him the track. Yeah, I gave him, a, gave him the track, uh, you know, a link. And he wrote back. He's like, this is amazing. And I would love to do it. You, you know, wow! You, you don't love when things work out. You, you don't, you know, you don't try. You don't know, you know. So he he Absolutely. did he, he did this badass solo on on Crazy Train, and and uh, that led us to getting Miles Copeland, who's now our manager, along with uh, his partner John Bevilacqua, and then we were thinking, well, okay, I think it's time to do another cover. That that worked out really well. Let's try another one, and let's try and get getting another guest, you know, and. So, I, you know, I had worked with John Carter Cash, Johnny's son, twice before on my solo singer-songwriter albums. And I thought, you know, we should do a Johnny song. I, you know, I always loved his music. He's, a, he's, to me, a rocker, to be honest with you. I mean, I know he's country, but he's like a rocker rebel guy, you know. Oh, and, and Definitely. Yeah, and Folsom Prison Blues is such a cool, iconic song. My and favorite. I, yeah, song. and I was like, it's got that train groove you know and i kind of play you know like that you know i'm i'm kind of oh anyway. yeah go ahead yeah. if you want to grab it well yeah, yeah. it's it's kind of like it's right it was right up my alley you know and even though we we changed it quite a quite a bit but you know like the all right you know and i was like that's right up my alley when it comes to acoustic guitar. Very, I hear that. Yeah, very it's percussive instant stuff. groove. Yeah. And so we started playing around with it, and we came up with, with uh, an arrangement, sent it to John Carter, and he's like, I want, I'd like to be a part of this, because I really wanted his blessing. You know, if he wasn't going to produce it, then I, I at least wanted him to be like, you guys, it's cool, I'll do it. But he's like, I'd like to be a part of it. I'd like to produce it, and you guys should come to Cash Cabin and record it. So... Which awesome. yeah, wow. which I had been to before with my other records, but what what could be better, right? So you know, it was all came down rather fast, and we went to the cabin, flew flew to Nashville. We still hadn't figured out who's who's going to play on this track, and we were thinking, well, we'll do the track, and then we'll take it home, and we'll we'll find somebody. Yeah. So, but while we're there, I had this, you know, bing idea, like liter literally the day before we were going to go into the studio, um, I talked to the boys and the manager, our manager, and I was like, what about Tommy Emanuel? You know, he, he lives in Nashville. You know, I wonder if he's home, which he's never, he's never home. He's like air supply. You yeah. know, he's <laughs> always on the fucking road, yeah. you know, and John, our manager, was like, well, let's see. And, you know, he got in touch with his manager. And, of course, he's home. You know, he's his met. Yeah. You know, he's and then he's like, oh, I would love to do it. You know, who's the string revolution? Yeah, sure. <laughs> but Johnny, you know, John, Johnny Cash, John Carter Cash, Cash Cabin. OK, yeah. Yeah, right. So he came down. We had our track finished already and he loved it. You know, and I, the reason I thought of him was because I opened for him once in Europe. And, like it was 
you know, 15 years earlier. He barely remembered that, but I think it came back to him when, when we met in person. And, uh, yeah, he loved the track. He laid down a couple of amazing guitar tracks like he is. And then, you know, we listened and then he left. You know, who's like a phantom, you know, <laughs> and it was like, what just happened here? You know, and so nobody knew what this would be Grammy, Grammy nominated. Nobody knew any of that, you know, sure. I mean, we had submitted before, but I, nobody knew anything, <laughs> you know, and so it was such a unique way of recording, too. We were all in one room, barely any baffling. John Carter was on a on a stool and like where's the separation you know right <laughs> there was a lot of bleed we we cleaned up some of that but it was the vibe sure. because the cabin has a vibe and we could all see each other and that had never been we'd never done that before we were always in separate yeah. little you know like you do you know right or or you record separately that's the other thing and so that was really unusual and and then the 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 biggest unusual thing was the fact that we had barely ran through the track when we all met in Nashville. So we were going through it, like meaning we'd barely played it together. So we were going through it and John's like, okay, that's it. And we're like, wait, what? And he's like, oh, Trey, our engineer, uh, great engineer, Trey Call, we love you. Um, it was on record. And wow. and we're like, but wait, with that we were just practicing. <laughs> He's like, no, that's it. That's it. Okay, you guys can do one more take if you want, but right, it's not going to be this. This it's not going to be the one. And boy, was he right. That's a producer's job, man, to know when you got it. Lightning Dude, in a bottle. I'm telling you, man, we were like, and we were nervous too. We were like, this can't be the one. <laughs> <laughs> but he's, you know, John has a way of. I think just being around all these amazing musicians his whole life, just of knowing these things, you know, and of guiding you on the right path and, you know, trusting him with his instincts. And it's great, you know, for me, because I'm such a damn controlling person. <laughs> if I could just let it, let Best it go. Best usually are. Yeah, I know. If I, if I could just let it go and let it, let it blossom in somebody else's hand, you know, it might actually work. And that, that's kind of what happened. Yeah. yeah. Well, Listen, any good producer knows to always have... Have it on record. On record. Right. And like you say, and, and he was obviously right, as you just confirmed, that energy and the spontaneity of the first go around. And then all good musicians all start to think, okay, yeah. oh, maybe I can do that differently. Yeah, and, I could do that better. Or but, I, I, but yeah. you know, it's the same thing with the singer. You know, a singer... And I, I've kind of... I'm like him in some ways. That singer says, Eddie used to always say, one more, one more. I said, Eddie, I got enough. But, you know, I let him do it, but I know sure. I already got what I need. Uh, and for any singer, or, but what a great story, man. And so that one, that first take was the one. That was the one. That wow. was the one. And uh, that had never really happened to me before. For all my years of, you know, being in studios and, and whatever, being a musician, I was like, I heard, I've heard of that, you know, like, oh, first take. But yeah. until you really experience it, because I too am a perfection, we're all perfectionists. Yeah. And we're like, no, that was a rehearsal, <laughs> you okay. know, yeah. you know, and, and I know some of it, we weren't, you know, quite in time and, and that bugs me too. But 
you don't hear it when you listen to the track because yeah. there's oh. an en- energy on that track. The energy, oh, it, you know, it sounds tight to me, man. Thank you so much. Did but, you feel it when you were playing it? I just was like, "What's the next part?" Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> you know, which in some ways is good because if you start thinking too much, like, "Oh, I got to rock it here and I got to do this and that," mm. you're not. You're not in the song anymore. You're like trying to make it something else. Overthinking. Yeah. So I was just like, okay, yeah, I remember I have to go to this thing. And I was just letting it happen. Interesting. Oh, is that magical, a, apparently. Yeah. Is that a Taylor yeah. you're playing? What is that? Yes. This oh, okay. So we talked about our good friend Tim Godwin. We He's did. And our we he, love you, Tim. Hi, Timmy. If you're, he generally listens to the next day or two. But um, beautiful Taylor is going to sound great because um, you're going to play something live in a little bit. Yes. But uh, gorgeous guitar and thank and, you. And, yes, it is. It's an older one. It's very older pretty. One. Yeah. Nineties. And, and Tim hit me right back when he saw that you were the guest. He just says, "I love Janet Robin." And uh, you guys got had a chance to talk. And it's so great to to hear you and meet you and and. But wait, just, but wait, Tim also an Air Supply member. That's right. That's right. It, it's another love connection. <laughs> yeah. So I was eighty three, forty, and eighty four, eighty five, and then they made some changes. And Tim, uh, and Rob Swenson and Harpo Hilfman, mm. Greg, aka Harpo Hilfman, those three guys came along in eighty six and eighty seven, and then Air Supply took a break. And during that break, I was playing golf with their mutual business manager, and he says, "I think Eddie Money's going to call you for a gig." And oh, cool! Oh. So, uh, and then when they re- Air Supply regrouped, I just stuck with Ed. But um, yeah, it, 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 a nicer guy in the music business in life you won't find than Tim. Uh, so uh, I know he must. Are you a Taylor artist? Yes, yes, uh, I've been Taylor artist I was, since since I got this guitar, which was 1995. Yeah, and the, this is a unusual. They don't make it anymore. It's a Dan Curry signature model. Dan yeah. Curry is a f- like massively amazing yeah. bluegrass flat pair. Oh, uh-huh. As you can see, it's got a, quite a large. You know, yeah, it's a little extra large. And then, oh. but the neck is like a guitar neck. Like, uh. a, of course, it's guitar neck, like an electric guitar. <laughs> yeah, neck. yeah. So it's quite slim, yeah. and I have small hands, yeah. and yeah. it's perfect for me because I, I do a lot uh, of yeah. percussion things. Yeah. And, well, we're going to get into well, that, and yeah. but why don't we hear the your oh, great yes. take of the String Revolution version of Folsom Prison Blues. You, uh, Danny, uh, tell me when because i got to flip a switch. All right. You ready? Flip the switch. Flip it, baby.
That sounded fantastic. Amazing. Sounded tighter than a gnat's ass to me. I don't know why you'd <laughs> oh, redo that again. A gnat. That's really tight. <laughs> you bet. <laughs> Sounds fa- so that's so that's you doing uh, the percussive stuff in there. I'm yeah. Yeah, go for it. I'm kind of doing the. Oh, yeah. You know, we did add a little bit of percussion in inside of the track, but yeah, it's just a. Yeah. What a great groove. Yeah. Just rewrite a different lyric and melody for it. <laughs> hey, uh, if, if you want to plug that thing in back, oh, back sure, in, yeah. just so we're ready when you are. But wow, best of luck with that, Janet. Oh, thank you. I mean, you. man, when when are the Grammys? Like February, usually. So yeah, right? they're February fourth, and um, yeah, it's just a whole whirlwind of things going on. You know, prior to to the Grammys and different events and different things, and you know, I look. We're excited to yeah. be nominees. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And, and and the people in our category are amazing. You know, just what's the category? A, I was just going to ask that. So the category we are are in is best arrangement, instrumental or a cappella. Mm. Oh. So yeah, and uh, there's five of us, and I, I couldn't be more honored to be in their company. Really. So, um. Yeah, just I've been to the Grammys a couple of times because I am also a Grammy voter. Oh. Um, so, but this time is different because we you get to bet. rock down the red carpet. Oh, man. oh yeah! The last time I had to go, you know, basement. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I know it's blatant. Is Tommy going to be there? Yeah, they're they're going to work it out. I think he had some kind of gig that he had to move around. But yeah, uh-huh. we're we're all we're all going. John is going, and you know the the band and all of our our spouses. Oh, fans. oh, yeah. how wonderful! Yeah, that is really so. Whose idea was it? I, I know you talked about with the John, but whose idea was to? Let me rephrase that. Yes. Who came up with that feel and and that approach? You. Well. Okay, because I don't like to take away from the boys, but um, we all sort of do things separately and come together. So what happened was I, yes, I came up with the, um, 
and it, that was just the initial group. But then, you know, the boys, meaning Robert, uh, Roberto Luis Rodriguez and uh, Marcus Ilko, the other two members of the String Revolution, what we all do is we all record parts and ideas separately and we share them, you mm-hmm. know. And so they all brought these other elements and then I had a couple of arrangement ideas and breaks and a few things, and so did they. And we just, you know, we put it in the pot and stirred it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I, I'm not saying I'm not taking credit for starting starting it, but yeah, yeah I mean, I, I, I wanted that groove. I yeah. definitely did, because you could have done like... Yeah. <laughs> you know, like a real dark version or something, right? But I didn't, I wasn't hearing that, you know, and so maybe it was me that came up with that sort of, okay, I want to keep that train. I was he, just saying, here, that here's the beat. thing when you do a cover, you, you obviously don't want to do it exactly like that unless you are doing a tribute, you mm-hmm. know, a, a, you're in a tribute band. That's great. Yeah. But if you're not, then you better fucking make it totally different. Right. But you can't lose the vibe or the the soul and the heart of the song you're doing. So I didn't I didn't want to take it too drastic like make it dark or slow. I still wanted that <laughs> right. And so then we came up with other ideas around it. Yeah. yeah so. it, 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 and and Tommy that's just his first Ta- take. Tommy yeah, it was like Jeez. two two takes. I don't know what I, we most of it was at the first take. Yeah. And we didn't direct him by the way. Yeah. He he had heard the track I, only there, you know, he'd never heard it before. He didn't even hear our demo. Mm-hmm. He just showed up and, you know, got his guitar on and headphones and, the, you know, pressed record. And then he just started playing that shit. And we were Amazing. like, yeah. And we're all in the control booth, like, uh, like again, mouth opens. Yeah, you can't what see us. Uh, yeah. But her mouth is open. It was cray cray. You know, it was he's so just amazing to 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 listen to to watch. But on top of that, he is a super nice guy. Yeah, super nice. And we just actually did another podcast uh, last week with him, and he was on it, uh, and just. Uh, just awesome. Yeah, my uh, dear, dear friend from Air Supply Days, a drummer, original drummer, and played with me in years after, Ralph Cooper has, has said, is is uh, Tommy Australian? Yes, he's yeah. Australian. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so I think Ralph knows him, and Ralph said, you got to get... Uh, Tommy on the show and I said yeah so maybe now this little boost will help me do it but sure man he is a, a, I mean but the whole thing I mean the bass and drums were perfect so the little string bass train beat yeah to very very minimal because frankly we don't we don't have that in the band live you right. know so we we really want to make sure what's on re- record is you know sounds how how we sound live yeah you know? yeah so. no surprise yeah. <laughs> right what? Is it them? <laughs> nah, it <wasn't> them. <laughs> no it's us yeah yeah and yeah. I, I can't see you guys going on with track behind you but no not with what you guys do no. uh, well fantastic and we are getting near the end so i want you to play your song uh, your, yeah your, yes yes, yes, t- yes tell us um before we do uh, janet just sure. drum that thing for a second sure sure let me let me put this old capo on so i'm i'm gonna play uh another cover we we do play original music let me just <laughs> let me just say that because uh if you go, by the way, on uh, thestringrevolution.com uh, or anything on Spotify, you know, or iTunes, uh, Apple Music, you can hear a lot of our uh, original music. Why but are we doing that? Really hard for me to play that as a solo person here without without the guys, sure. you know. So during our live set, um, we we break it up and we we each come out, you know, separately and do a piece. 
you know, and this is the piece I do. I kind of rearranged Here Comes the Sun. Ooh. It's a little bit faster, uh, a lot faster, actually. <laughs> um, and uh, That's you, man. You've got the me. energy. Uh, so I'm going to play my version. Of, All right. Yeah. Can you hear it okay? Fantastic. Girl, the badassery runs strong in you. <laughs> just saying. Just saying. Oh, my Fantastic. God. Fantastic. Heads Whoa. were bopping ah. and toes were tapping. Oh, yeah. That was uh, uh, amazing. Oof. And, Danny, I've always said the favorite part of my show over the years is always when people are here doing live, live performances. Live, stuff. That oh. was, uh, Janet. Fantastic. Oh, thank you. I, I'm sure you bring the house down with that every time. Yeah. That old Taylor sounds sweet. You, you, oh, I got three of them. Oh. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Three of the same model. Hey, Tim, throw her another one after that. Oh, one. they don't they don't make them. He knows all about my model. And, and, and you know, every time I, I visit Taylor, I'm like, you guys got to bring back this model. Oh, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, Tim, you heard it from her. Uh, what an amazing uh, performance that was. Uh, Janet Robbins, so great to meet you, man. And, a pleasure, and, and I'm, yeah. I'm really glad uh, to be here in person as well because, you know, of course, COVID, we were all locked away. And I did do some you know, podcasts during that time, and then the ones that I, I do mostly are, you know, on, on video, you know, on yeah. Zoom. And right. so this is like... 
this feels like old school, but yeah. it isn't. Yeah, this I, is the way they're done. I, I, I kind of <laughs> feel that way. I mean, I know the Zoom stuff and all that. Yeah, yeah I've talked with the, Robin, my producer, about it. But uh, this just feels good. And moments like that, for me, um, you know, I'm a live guy, you know. Yeah, I, yeah. I like it live. And uh, that was just, uh, I love it, man. I'm so excited for you and this project. You know, you've been up and down, as I said, ride the roller coaster. But, man, this is an exciting time for you. Well, thank you so much. I mean, really. Thank you. Uh, Congratulations. Janet, yeah. Thank you very much. JanetRobin.com. It's a great website. Uh, string TheStringRevolution.com. Yep. All right. That's, and again, thanks to uh, your publicist. Ann Layton. Ann Layton. And Thank L you. Layton Media. Uh, we're going to keep going. But she was the one. She said, what about Janet Robin? And the minute I looked into it, I said, absolutely, let's do it. And I think we had to postpone for one week because of me. I, I can't remember. But anyway. Uh, it was an honor to be here. Well, thank, thank you, you, Dawn and Danny, it's for an having me. It's an honor to have you. And, and, yeah. and I'll be uh, thinking about it with a big smile on yeah, my good. way home in traffic. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> well, no, you should be okay. Well, it's hard. To, you yeah, know. It's L.A., man. Come on. <laughs> All it takes is one fender bender. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, oh, that's yeah, it. Yeah, nice yeah. shot. Add an hour. Uh, Danny Forrest, thank you as always. Uh, thank you for uh, being here Rock and Robin Cote, my producer. Well, that's Robin. right. You're Rock and Robin too. You got two Rock and Robin. Oh yeah, Rock and Janet, Rock and Robin. <laughs> I know. I guess anybody, any lady named Robin yeah, is going to be Rock good. and Robin. But uh, Rock and Robin Cote back there. Oh, she's an author, as is Danny. Um, she's got a book called Soul Strains, which is amazing. Robin does. Danny has a book called I Am Pink, which is now available everywhere. It's fantastic. But the Star Worldwide Networks back in Phoenix. Dave the Mayor Pratt amazing guy really takes care of me we're headed toward the holiday he does a bunch of stuff back there in phoenix that's why they call him the mayor um respect your police officers pray for our troops past present and future they're the ones that really really uh, take care of us john lennon said it said it best as yes. far as i'm concerned janet love is all we need we need more of it right now that's for darn yes, sure we, we do especially we do. heading towards christmas uh, we wish everybody <laughs> all the holidays. best happy holidays yes yeah. happy holidays peace and, and love everybody and thank you again janet robin fantastic everybody take care good night thanks for listening to don cromwell live all right thanks for listening to don cromwell live Producer, songwriter, musician, and former Air Supply and Eddie Money bassist, Don Cromwell. Every week, Don Cromwell Live connects the artist with you, the fan. Hear Don Cromwell Live as it happens Wednesday night, 9 p.m. Eastern. Or on demand 24-7 on StarWorldWideNetworks.com. And follow Don at Facebook.com slash Don Cromwell. And Twitter at Don Cromwell Live. Don Cromwell Live from Star Worldwide Networks.com.